Welcome to our service this morning. Very good to see you all here in the house of the Lord. And as we begin our worship today, number 512, and let's stand please as we sing, I must have the Savior with me. That's a prayer not only for today, it's a prayer for every day for the child of God. And let's lift our voices and our hearts in our praise to Him now. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer and taking a moment just to still ourselves in the Lord's presence. Perhaps you've come from a, a busy morning. Maybe some things have happened that were not planned, and that's sometimes how the devil gets into things, and yet we want to be still and to rejoice and able to take in all that the Lord has for us today. Father, we bow ourselves humbly 
in Your holy presence today. And we are very thankful, Lord, for the joy and the blessing that is afforded us that we have as our possession in Christ. And so today we are alive spiritually. We know our sins have been forgiven. We know, Lord, we have a home in heaven. And one day soon, all of us who know Christ will be absent from our bodies and present with the Lord. But I pray until then, Father, we may understand and know Your will and purposes in our lives. I pray that we might do as the hymn writer has been saying. We will go without a murmur in the way that You have purposed for us. Lord, we we acknowledge it's not always the way we would choose. It's not always pleasing to us, certainly not to the flesh. But Father, I pray that we will walk by faith, not by sight. We will know the joy and peace of Christ abiding in us day by day, moment by moment. Lord, strengthen us with might in the inner man. Defeat the devil in every attempt that he has to bring a temptation that would cause to stumble and fall. Lord, help us to keep our eyes by faith upon Christ, to walk in the joy and peace of the Spirit's leading. Father, give us, we pray, the graces that are so absent in the flesh, but so necessary in the Spirit, that we might know joy and peace and love, patience, long-suffering, that all the characteristics of our Savior would be reflected in us, and so that when the world looks upon our lives, they will not see hypocrisy, but they will see a genuineness. They will see a holy walk. Ah, dear Father, help us, I pray, today, for we stand in need. We know that there are many people who need a touch from Your hand today, and we pray for them. We ask for Your hand upon Reverend Bodner. We pray, dear Father, for the sick in our own congregation. Remember Chloe's mum today. Be with her. Remember the Kelly family. Lord, pour out Your Spirit upon them and bless them. We think of our sister Sandra Brown in hospital, and we pray, Lord, for Your gracious hand to be upon her as well. And many others, perhaps we do not know of, and Lord, many issues going on in lives that we do not know, and yet how thankful we can be, Father, today that every detail of our lives absolutely known by our infinite God. And therefore, Lord, we are happy to leave ourselves in Your care to abide under the shadow of Your wings. There we will rejoice. There, O God, we will be thankful for every mercy and every kindness. And so, dear God, today meet with us Bless us in our service of worship. Receive from our hearts the praise of our singing, the praise of our praying, the praise, O God, as we read the Scripture, 
and then the ministry of the Spirit to every believing heart, taking the things of Christ and stamping them indelibly upon our minds. Lord, we stand today in as great a need as ever, and we are thankful that we can rest and know the peace of God that passes all understanding. Hear our prayer today. Remember all our churches. Remember our missionaries. O God, keep your hand upon them. Our churches that do not have ministers in a full-time capacity at this point, Father, answer our prayers. Raise up men. We are thankful for the students that have come through our seminary, and we are asking, Lord, for your hand to be upon them, to bless them, to lead them unmistakably. Thankful our brother Diderno here today with us. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Spirit upon him and upon his family, and you would lead him unmistakably. And during the time, Lord, that he is with us for the next year, that we would be a blessing to him and he to us. And Father, go in front of him, we pray, and bless him. So remember all of these things that we present before Thee, Lord, burdens of our heart, the needs of our land. Oh, Father, they are great. They are many. Restrain the evil, Lord, we pray, and bless and prosper that which is good and right. Lord, make use of us. We are Your servants. We want to be useful in this sector where You have placed us. We want to be made profitable for the kingdom of Christ. And Lord, we give ourselves a fresh, dedicate our lives, our being, our, everything we have. Lord, we devote ourselves again in Christ's name. And therefore, we pray, use every believer here. Make us soul winners. Help us to encourage other believers to disciple, to build up, to strengthen them, and that, Lord, all this, of course, we know is a work of the Spirit, and we are thankful to be used in any way. So, hear our prayer today. Continue with us now. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We'll sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, Psalm 145. Psalm 145, let's stand as we worship.
praise God. That is good singing today, lifting your voices and your hearts to the Lord in worship. Last Lord's Day, as I was able to listen on to the services, not being here in person, and that is one of the things that was an encouragement to my heart to hear uh, the voices of the congregation and all of you singing lustily with your hearts unto the Lord. It's always a, a good sign and a good uh, marker of the spiritual temperature within any body of people. If they rejoice in the Lord and they want to sing with all their hearts unto Him, well, never sing like a mouse. Sing out like a lion and rejoice in the Lord, and that is a good thing. Let's read, please, in our Bibles now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, an house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them that glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to know, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God, for He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. May God encourage your heart and bless you with His Word today. So many practical and spiritually full things we have read in that chapter this morning. It does us well to meditate over, pray over, read over many times that good Word because there is much instruction for us. Believer, you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know what that means? It means that God has given to His people the responsibility and the blessing and the joy of being ministers of His to relay the gospel truth to those who have not heard and do not know. That ministry of reconciliation is a powerful responsibility that God has placed upon all of us. Let us all then pray, Lord, may we make use of this ministry, empower us by Your Spirit so that we will be useful in Your kingdom. Make me a minister of the reconciliation. That means of seeing sinners joined to God through Christ. And let us be the signpost. Let us be the messengers that convey that truth. And then the Lord will give us the joy of leading sinners to Jesus. And that is a great blessing indeed. Well, welcome today to our morning worship service. We're glad that you are here. We're thankful for each one of you. And I want to say a word of thanks to all of you for your faithful praying, for Jill, for myself. And uh, we have come through COVID. And I don't know how many times I've had it, I think that we had COVID back in January of 2020 when it all, before it really even all started. And uh, we had some of the very similar symptoms back then. But nonetheless, by God's grace, we have come through it. Although I know you can still hear in my voice, it's a little bit deeper than normal. And uh, when I go to the door today, I, I will be having a mask on and won't be shaking any hands today, though we have tested negative uh, several times through the test kits that we have. But thank you very much for your prayers and for your faithfulness. And also a word of thanks to the men who stepped in. Uh, Brother Alec Newell stepped in last minute, really, uh, for the meeting uh, last Lord's Day morning. But I must say a word of caution here. And I was watching on the service and our brother finished preaching at 10 to 12. Don't get any ideas. 
That's, that's not going to be the way it's going to continue on here now. No, no, don't be thinking about that. But uh, appreciate Brother Alec and others who stepped in and helped us uh, through that time. Now, please remember the Kelly family, Stephen Carroll. I was very sad also that we were not able to be with them last so week ago, Saturday, for kind of a farewell party they were having up at their farm, the former farm in, in Little Britain area. But I've been in communication with them several times, and I got a text this morning from their daughter, Esther. They've arrived safely in B.C. They left last Thursday, and the trip was a little bit difficult for them in one sense, although things went fairly smoothly. And do remember Mrs. Kelly. Uh, She's having a little bit more difficulty getting settled in, as you could imagine. But they have their own apartment now, their own senior place, and uh, things are going well. And I said to our brother, Well, before he left, I was able to FaceTime them, and I said, Lord willing, in October, I'm planning to head out to Vancouver to visit the congregation in Cloverdale, and uh, then be also at the week of prayer in Calgary, and so I'll be definitely looking forward to visiting with the Kellys when we go out there, and when I go out there at that particular time. So remember them in prayer. Do you also remember a Sandra Brown before the Lord in prayer? Sandra, one of our seniors, has not been in the church for several years, and of course because of COVID and then just herself not feeling all that well, but she has taken a turn for the worse and is in the hospital now, and I, would, I know she'd greatly appreciate your prayers and do remember her before the Lord. And also, please pray for Chloe's mom. She's been not well. She was in the hospital, and uh, she's not been well or just having a little difficulty figuring out what the problem is. But I know Chloe would greatly appreciate your prayers for her and for her mum. Not forgetting also Reverend Bodner. He came through cancer surgery uh, this past week and is recovering and will be again in the hospital for a couple of weeks. But I know he will appreciate your prayers along with his wife. Remember the services today, please. Our pre-service prayer time at 550 and our evening service at 6.30, and I hope to continue our study in the book of Daniel. We're looking at the second part now of chapter 5 in the life of Belshazzar and things that we will learn by that. Following our service tonight, we will have the Lord's table, and we'll be meeting around the communion table for those who are saved by the Lord's grace. Next Wednesday evening... Our brother Craig Richards will be bringing the word, and I know our brother would greatly appreciate your prayers as he ministers on Wednesday. And then next Lord's Day morning, uh, Brother Diderno, uh, Frank Diderno, will be preaching the word. And then in the evening service, we have the visit of Mr. Jonathan Eccles, who is a third year theological student from the Whitfield College of the Bible in Northern Ireland. And uh, he will be here. He's coming. This will be his last stop as he has been in Cloverdale for about five Lord's Days. He visited most of our churches across Canada. And he's going to be here next Lord's Day evening. And then when he preaches, he'll be heading back to get himself prepared for his third year of classes over in Northern Ireland. So do remember that, be please, before the Lord in your prayers. That also reminds me of one thing that's important, and that will be that next Lord's Day evening, there will be a fellowship time after the evening service, so you get an opportunity of meeting uh, Jonathan Eccles, and uh, that will be moved ahead. Normally, we have it on the last Lord's Day 
of the month, but it'll be moved ahead by one week. Don't forget also, please, our Sunday school seminar on August the 26th. That's a Friday night. It'll be from 7 p.m., and Reverend Golliher is going to be our special speaker, and he will have a couple of sessions, and we've been working on the itinerary for that meeting and the subject matter. He's overseas in Ulster right now himself, and uh, looking forward to that time. And that will be for all of our Sunday school teachers currently, and then also some who came to part one of our seminar back in the springtime, and others who may be interested in serving the Lord in that capacity, set aside Friday night. That's the 26th of August for that seminar. Let's pray also for Whitfield Christian Schools, as uh, the school will be opening again at the regular time in the uh, Tuesday after Labor Day, and our staff members getting prepared and lots of things being uh, put uh, in place now. Do please pray much for the blessing of God upon this vital ministry that we have of our school. Thank you also for your tithes and offerings for the work of God. The plate is at the table as you leave. If you are led to put an offering in there, of course our regular people are well akin to what is required there, what the necessary things are for putting your offering in, either by check or by cash, or some of you are doing the online deposits through your e-transfers or credit card, whatever you are choosing to do. We're thankful for your tithes and your offerings. Let's sing number 537, and we'll remain seated while we sing.
invite you to turn, please, now to John chapter 15. In your Bibles, John 15. Reading the first 12 verses. I am the vine, the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples." As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Let's bow, please, for prayer. Father, settle us now, I pray, in your presence, and open my mind and heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, anointing me with the fresh oil of the Spirit, that I may speak the Word of God clearly, faithfully, so that no one would misunderstand. Hear our prayer today. Bless us, Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. I want to speak to you this morning from verse 7, primarily. It says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. The whole context of John 15 and the main teaching, it's all about what it means to abide in Christ. 
That's a question for us today. The question would be, am I abiding in Christ? Do I know what that means? Well, following through the teaching of John 15, and of course much of the Lord's final teaching that He gives to us here in this portion of the Word, it will help us. It will deepen our grasp of what it means to abide in the Lord Jesus. And of course, the main point of this is knowing that we are in union with Him by the Spirit of God, and that's absolutely necessary for spiritual life. We have mentioned to you in the past, and you know it well, that if the branch abides in the vine, it receives all of its nutrients, its water, its strength, its beauty, and of course the ability to bear fruit comes from its abiding in the vine. And it doesn't go the other way around. The vine does not benefit anything from the branches. And the teaching of our Lord here is so full of practical application for the Christian life. The picture is not a complex one. Very simple, straightforward. But I would say to you that it is full of profound instruction that if we take heed of that, and if it is written upon our soul by the Spirit of God, what will it do for you in your Christian life? I say to you, friend, it will bring you joy. It will bring you peace. It will bring you the blessed assurance that you belong to Christ and that the Spirit of God is working in you. And we will ultimately bring glory to God the Father. And so I want to look at verse 7, the first two lines of it primarily, use that as a launching pad to bring out what else the chapter is teaching us. And the first thing, very clearly and simply, is this, that what does it mean to abide in Christ? Abiding in the Lord, it means that we have been saved from our sin. Now, once a person has been saved by the grace of God, it means we have been grafted into the vine of our salvation. Then we have true spiritual life. And that spiritual life is directly connected with and drawn from the relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus. Our Savior said, I am the true vine. And that shows us that He's the source of all physical and spiritual life. Our Lord Jesus said, as many as received Him, or John relayed that about Christ, as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. <coughs> we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. There is no spiritual life outside of Christ. <coughs> Once we are born again by God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit is brought into our life 
and we cannot lose our salvation. Believer, this is eternal security. When God does that work, He does that work perfectly. It's not by the will of man, not by the will of flesh, of the flesh, but it is by the power of God. And being brought into Him in salvation, we have the assurance that we will never be cast off. Alive in Jesus Christ, God declaring by His own judicial declaration that we have been justified. And that is a most blessed truth. In Hebrews 3.14, it says, For we are made partakers of Christ. The word partaker there, it means to be a partner, to share in. And the broader expression of that would be a legal partner in a business to share in the ownership of that and to share in the profits of it. And so if we have been made partakers of Christ, we are brought to be in partnership with Him. And that's something that the Lord has done for us on our account. In Romans 8 verse 1, we have that very well-known verse, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And there's a blessed little word in there because being a member of His family, being a part and made part of the vine grafted in that branch, then we are partakers of Him. We are in Christ in a vital union. We have been washed by the precious blood of our Lord And that means we have peace with God. What amazing grace this is. It is that amazing grace that we now are alive. We who once were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And the Lord has brought us to Himself. Believer today, I don't care how bad your day may have gone or what troubles you are facing. Place all of those things in light of your standing in Christ Jesus. And it helps those things to be fading away to the right perspective. Seeing yourselves in that relationship, we are part. We are made sons and daughters of the Most High God. Yes, to abide in Christ, it is to know that our sins have been forgiven. And there's no accusation that can be brought against us that will stick. Oh, the devil will try. He will accuse us to ourselves. He'll accuse us before God. He accuses us to the brethren. He accuses us of all of our inconsistencies. And we could say in many respects, yeah, the devil could be right on that, that, and that. But you know what? Those things cannot stick to us before the throne of God in heaven because He has made it very clear that He sees us through the blood of His Son. He sees us as righteous in His sight. He sees us as being cleansed from our sin. This, my dear brother and sister, is what it means to abide in Christ. It means that we have been saved from our sins for time and eternity, and we have the assurance of full salvation. Rejoice 
in that great truth today. But there's something further. Abiding in Christ, it means that His words abide in us. Ah, don't skip over that too quickly. His words abide in us. This is a main evidence that we belong to Christ when we submit ourselves to the authority of His Word. And that submission will be evidenced by how we live. Taking the authority of God's Word and placing ourselves under that authority, it means that His Word is alive in us. It means that we acknowledge that it is the living Word of God. And what does it do in our lives? Why, it should overarch all that we say and do. The doctrine and the teaching of Christ contained in the Scriptures, it's not only to be something, my dear friends, respected, but it is to be adhered to. It is to be part of every aspect of our Christian journey. Now, we sometimes talk about the Ten Commandments as summarizing the law of God, as summarizing the activity or the behavior of the Christian. And while that's true, we know that in the Ten Commandments, they are just that, a summary, but we have the principles and the teachings that are brought out in every other part of the Scripture And those things are the instructions for the true Christian life. We are to follow. We are to be under the authority of God's Word. You've heard that many times before from this pulpit. But believer, I want every one of us to say and ask before the Lord the question, is my life fully under that authority? Is there any area in my life where I might be kicking against that? Where I might be resisting that authority? Please, Lord, reveal that to me. That's a good prayer that we would do well to pray. So when we say that the Scriptures are the sole authority in all matters of faith and practice, it means that all that God has communicated to us through His Word, well, we want that to guide our life. We want it to be the direction for us. We want it to influence our lives. We want that Word to restrain us from evil and to mold our thinking and our actions, because, of course, our actions our outgrowths of our thinking, so that we will be conformed to the character of our Lord and Savior in His life. So when the Word of Christ dwells and abides in us, it is a clear evidence that we belong to Him and that we are are part of Him. And so here comes a, a tough question 
What happens when this is not evident in a believer's life? My friend, the consequences are far-reaching. And the reason is because our testimonies will be seen as hypocritical. We'll be seen as those who say one thing, but we live and do in another way. And what happens in that case? That we will lose power in prayer. We will lose power in our effectiveness in the family and in community. And instead of joy, there will be sorrow and there will be regret. Instead of peace in the heart, there will be a life of unrest. Instead of clarity, there will be confusion. And these things sometimes are the markers in a believer's life that there has not been that very basic submission by faith unto the Word of God. So what do we do? Well, the prayer is that all of us would say, Lord, I want, first of all, that my life will be, well, I want to abide in the Word of Christ. I want to abide under that authority. I don't want to run my own course. I don't want to go my own pathway. I want to say, Lord, I submit myself under Your will and Your purpose and Your plan. And so when we have that heart and that spirit, the Lord will be magnified. He he will be honored. Now, when a manufacturer of a certain product gives and sets out the instruction manual for that product or vehicle, they are the most qualified to give those instructions because they've designed the product and they have manufactured it or they have overseen that manufacturing process and they know that the maintenance schedule for that vehicle or how you're supposed to care for whatever it is you have purchased, you're going to get the maximum performance from that product by following what the manufacturer says. By using a a lower-grade oil in your engine, something different from the manufacturer's specifications, it may seem to be economical at the time. You're saving a few bucks now. But as the mechanic says, you either pay me now or you pay me later. And the paying later will obviously be a whole lot worse than paying the price now. And so, following that schedule, it'll be so much more beneficial for us. And we think about that in light of the fact that God has given us the manual of life. He has given to us His holy Word. And when we bring ourselves to follow the maintenance schedule of the Scripture for the believer's life, it means abiding in the Word of Christ. For if we abide in Him and His words abide in us, we will be profitable Christians. We will be believers who are following in His way. Because abiding in the Word of Christ, it does give evidence that we belong to Him. And friends, it's not a one-off type of obedience. It means 
that we are to go on obeying. We are to keep on maintaining His truth. For the Lord said in John 8, verse 31, If you continue in My Word, then are ye My disciples indeed. So abiding in Christ, it means that we have been saved from our sin. We are brought into that vital union with Him. And secondly, abiding in Him means His words are abiding in us. And in the third place this morning, abiding in Christ means that without Him we can do nothing. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. In a physical sense, we could not even breathe if it wasn't for the power of God. For in Him we live and we move and we have our being. Life itself is a gift from God. And my dear friends, as it is appointed unto men once to be born, that day of appointing of our death has been set by our sovereign God. He is the one who gives life and He is the one who will end life. He keeps our hearts beating until the day comes when the last heartbeat will take place within our bodies and our life will be over. But this teaching of Christ, the basis of it and the heart of it is that We can do nothing without Him when we're dealing with spiritual matters. And that's really what He's getting at with His disciples. And that's the teaching here of this verse. So to abide in the Lord Jesus, it means that without Him, we will not be able to accomplish any spiritual action because every holy thought It comes from the power of Christ who is abiding within us. And every noble virtue, it comes from our relationship. Every spiritual action that we're involved with. Do we acknowledge, Lord, that it comes from Your faithful and gracious hand and that without You, Lord, I cannot do anything? I suppose we would be able to say that there are some things that we do of ourselves. I think about things being done in the flesh, not by the Spirit. But those things don't have any lasting merit. That's part of what is presented in Corinthians when we are to give account of ourselves before the judgment seat of the Lord. And the apostle speaks about hay, wood, and stubble. He speaks about things that are really of the flesh, things that will not have eternal merit. They're not necessarily sinful things of themselves, but there are things that have no eternal profit. And maybe in that sense we could say, well, there are things that we could do without Christ. But we want to be very careful to qualify that that in all things we are acknowledging He is the authority 
and power in our lives. We want to live under the submission of His Holy Spirit. Now, taking the religions of the world, people who call themselves spiritual, they might have these ideas where the, maybe they're humanistic philosophers or philosophies. Those that are devoted to deities or those whom they think are gods, and there are religions of the world multiplied, many of those, or whether it's those who are naturalists and they are believing in evolution, they deny God of the Bible, but they have manufactured their own God. They have made themselves gods. Everything devolves upon the human mind or intellect or spirit. But outside, my dear friend, of a union, a spiritual union with Jesus Christ, there is nothing that will come to any merit or any value. And they will not be done to gain eternal reward, certainly not in heaven. Mr. Spurgeon, he asked this question, what if you are an outside saint but an inside devil? And it's good for all to make their calling and election sure and to dig around the foundation of our lives being sure that we are abiding in Christ. This truth of being enabled to accomplish all things in Christ, it really becomes a central tenet of the Christian faith. It becomes something that if we acknowledge it and accept it and walk each day in the light of that truth, that, Lord, I need you for everything I'm doing. As I open my Bible in the morning for devotions and I come to submit myself to it, say, Lord, I need the power of Christ. I need the strength of the Spirit to be able to understand and have the truth applied to my life. And I want, Lord, that to be more and more evident in how I walk. Without abiding in Christ, we can do nothing. Without adhering to His Word, we will accomplish nothing. Without acknowledging the absolute supremacy of the Lord Jesus, we are nothing. Yes, He is to be honored and respected and imitated. And it's not something we do mechanically, not something that's superficial. No, friend, it is done because we are in that vital union with the Son of God. The earnest prayer we would have from a believer, we wouldn't want it any other way, would we? I mean, you ask yourself, would, would you want to have it any other way? Would I want to try to make it through my spiritual journey by my own power? Of course, every true Christian would say, no, Lord, I don't want that. I want to be in tune and in touch with my Lord. Not I, we say, not I but Christ, be honored, loved, and exalted. 
Now we say, if I accomplish this on my own, then glory will be to God. Glory will not be to God. Rather, it will be taken, stolen from Him. We say a thousand times, no. Lord, we do not want that. But what we want in our life is to see our Master magnified. We want to see our Savior exalted and lifted up. We want to pray, Lord, have Your own way in my life. Not my will was the word that Jesus prayed to His Father. Not my will, Lord, but Thy will be done. And so as we think about this this morning, there are three things I leave with you in conclusion today. And the first one is knowing that we are joined to Christ. Let this truth fill us with joy and peace in believing. I know we are made up of different personality types. And I know that sometimes people might on one hand be more positive than other people who might be more naturally melancholy. And all of those things, taken for what they are in our human personalities and characteristics, they are one thing. But dear friends, let the joy and truth of this reality that we have in front of us today, let that be experienced every day by every child of God so that we will say, Lord, I know Your joy and I know Your peace is in me and I know I have this. It's not something I must work for. It is something that is my rightful possession in Jesus Christ. And that rightful possession is something I want to rejoice in. It's knowing that being joined to Christ is a truth that fills us with that peace every day. But we also learn that placing the Word of God in the forefront of our lives, let us stand upon the promises that God has given to advance us in holiness. Advance us in a holy walk with God. And that, of course, will be seen in how we are more conformed to our Lord's character and His image. And as that growth is taking place day by day, whether you are young or old, whether you've been in Christ for a short time or a long time, we never come to the conclusion of that prayer. And we're saying continually, Lord, I want Your Word to be greater in my life. I want to understand the depths of its truth. I don't want to just always go on the surface. I want to go deep down into the, the, the merit and the marrow of the Word of truth. Because as I am united to Christ, the Word of God will be evidenced as being united and in me and lifted up. And the final thought is this. Let us resolve that to take no confidence in the flesh 
but to rest completely upon the power of Christ to live for Him. Without me, you can do nothing, but with Christ, we are enabled to do all things. That's the very truth that the Apostle Paul summarized as he was speaking to the Philippians. He said, it is not of me, it is not of my flesh, but I can do all things through Christ Jesus who lives in me. And dear friends, today let us see the completion and the full fruit of that in our lives. That we will go on with the Lord, we'll rejoice in Him, and we will say, yes, Lord, You are the King of my life, and I crown Christ joyfully and willingly with that place of being the King, the Lord, the Ruler, the Sovereign over all in my life. We're going to sing a hymn in closing today. Number 640. Number 640. Standing to sing, Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide.
Father, as we have sung these very precious words, and how much, Lord, they are part of the theme, culmination, the summation of all that we have in our Lord Jesus. I pray that we may be faithful, walking in the center of Your perfect and holy will. And You would keep us, Lord, until that day comes when our turn to depart is in front of us. And that, Lord, we will be able to say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And we know, Lord, all through the power of our Lord Jesus. So, separate us now in Your fear with Your grace and bring us back to Thy house tonight. Hear our prayers, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.